So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's in. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home, in your warm, comfortable bed, than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. You'll get the sermon, but you will miss out on some other things we think are pretty cool about being a part of a church community, like the intergenerational nature of it, the aunts and uncles that aren't related to you, but who love you all the same, the support and encouragement that that brings, fun music, cute kids, and of course, the after church snacks. But we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or perfect preachers, but we are your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or perhaps coaching one of your kids' teams or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would receive this with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we're not expecting that you would agree with everything we say. In fact, we encourage you to question, to disagree, and to figure out what you think. But our sincere hope through all of that is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God as you consider this. So, so I started worship by reminding people that whatever nonsense is going on in the world, whatever nonsense is going on in the world, whatever nonsense <laughs> is, going, is on. going on in the world, that they were welcome, mm-hmm. that God is love, mm-hmm. and that in this church there are no second-class citizens. Nice. And I don't say any of that to pat ourselves on the back because we're so much better than the racists in Charlottesville. I say that because we need to remember it over and And over over and and over over again until it is so much a part of us that we can't see anything except it. So we were looking at the same scripture that you were looking at in the last Mm -hmm. episode, Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Uh, It's the passage where Jesus um, has just left the feeding of the 5,000. Yes. And uh, goes away to a removed place and the disciples go out in the boat onto the Sea of Galilee and this huge storm comes up, and uh, and then Jesus walks out across the water to them, and they are terrified. Now, what's interesting is, in the scripture, it doesn't say that they are terrified until, until after yeah. they see Jesus. So it says they're terrified of this figure of Jesus, of whatever. They sort of think he's a ghost. Right. But, like, uh, what's fascinating to me about all of that is that what they're afraid of is the power. Mm. that Jesus has. Okay. So uh, Jesus, we're in the book of Matthew, right? The book right. of Matthew, it's real important for the author or authors to let us know that Jesus is sort of reenacting the story of the people of Israel. Right. And so the feeding of the 5,000 sort of echoes the feeding in the wilderness, in the desert, uh, with manna of the people who had escaped Pharaoh. And Jesus walking across the water is a reminder of the deliverance through the Red Sea. And so... Over and over again, we see these echoes of Jesus right, like they, telling they, the story, living the story. Living the story. And especially if you had been immersed in the way that the folks in that time were. In this story. Because there weren't story. a bunch of competing stories. There was no Game of Thrones. There was no Great British Baking Show. show. Yeah. Uh, there weren't play. I mean, plays in the way that we would know them. Like, right. it was just right. this story. Right. 
And so he's echoing this story and it, it's resonating with people. Um, the other thing I think it's important to know, my little historical tidbit of the day for folks Ooh. was that water was not necessarily this beautiful, loving image that we have of water oh, now. Yeah. So water in the desert, obviously incredibly important for your existence. Mm-hmm. But when you do get water, often you get way more than you'd like. Yes. Uh, we've had a taste of that this winter mm-hmm. um, where we, you know, been there in drought for a long time. And then all of a sudden there were floods uh, and there was no control over that. And so the the people of Israel had a really love-hate relationship with water. Yeah. In fact, two days of creation are dedicated to showing that God has power over water. Yep. Um, to show that God can dominate this thing that is the scariest thing they can think of mm-hmm. because it can wipe them out in a second. So the disciples are out in the middle of the lake and a storm rises up. And this is the scary time to be around water, right? This right. is this is the scariest this thing. Is, that, this, this is the is image when... that they use for right. awful things. And they're in the middle of the storm and they're fine. They've like normalized the storm. They are used to it. Right. I mean, their history is, of course, they would be. They've been out on many more, many worse storms, probably. Mm-hmm. They've been they've been fishermen, some of them, for a some while. Of them. Yeah. And so, what scares them is not the storm and all of the the chaos around them. What scares them is that Jesus is showing the strength of God mm-hmm. to not be overwhelmed in the midst of the storm. Yeah. And that is what is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I I think that certainly resonates with us this week. It seems like it, you know, it has to be a hellish kind of week if the threat of nuclear war is the second worst thing you hear about on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's been it's been overwhelming for folks mm-hmm. to see this show of you know white supremacy and white nationalism mm-hmm. to see um, people literally being rammed into with cars and beaten mm-hmm. um, to see torches come out and surround a church where people are worshiping and singing wade in the water and deciding how to make the world a more equitable place. Um, It's been a terrifying kind of week. But I think it would be dangerous for us to normalize the storm. I think we need to recognize that these things are not normal, that it's not okay. This is not the world that God desires for us. And ignoring it does not make it go away. Really? Yeah, a lot of people say, well, just don't give them the microphone. And I'm going, and all those black people getting beaten in the streets, they'll take care of themselves. No, that's not how this works. The disciples are terrified of Jesus because they're terrified of the hope that Jesus gives them that they can walk out in the storm. Yeah. Because it is so much easier and safer to bunker down on the boat. Um, Well, and, and we have this experience, whether we're looking at the national picture because it's it's really clear for us when we think about what's happening in Charlottesville and what happens happened you know in other places and other situations right but we also experience this in our own lives oh yeah of course where we where we take where we we, we just decide it's 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 okay yeah whatever like it is, is right whatever in, awful in our, thing is happening to us right now or our friends go why are you staying in this awful relationship mm-hmm. right but but that this happens at all these levels right and that we have to be aware at all these levels of what's going of on, of how we're doing this. Yeah, the the thing I, I didn't bring up, but I was thinking about on Sunday was um, Peter Rollins is one of my favorite philosophers, and he talks about church as a crack house. Mm. And when church is the place that you go to get your hit, mm-hmm. to get you through the rest of the week, like when church is the place mm-hmm. that just helps you 
alleviate enough tension that you can continue to stay in awful situations like like somebody trying to like somebody trying to drown their pain under drugs or alcohol Mm -hmm. then um then we are not actually doing the work that we're supposed to do and so he says church is is supposed to be more like a singer songwriter and a singer songwriter will tell you um all of the worst stories of their lives but when they open their mouth beautiful music comes forth Mm -hmm. And it helps you process your own grief yeah. in a in a little bit of a way. And so whenever we say, sing us another song, we're saying, um, rip your heart open for us one more time because mm-hmm. it helps us to, to process our own grief. And so um, part of the storm thing is to not just go to church so that you feel okay surviving the storm, but to right. go to church so that it is a safe place for you to process the storm mm-hmm. so you can make better decisions about yeah. what storm you're willing to put up with what storm you're called into and what storm you're not. Right. So, so we talked about Charlottesville. We talked about, um, made it extremely clear that white supremacy is not compatible with the gospel. After all, Jesus was Was not not white. white. I think I've made them say this. Oh, about 800 times this summer. Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. Um, Jesus was not white. So that was important. Uh, We read a passage from our book of discipline, which is our law book for the Mm -hmm. United Methodist church. This is from Article 5 of the Constitution. It's not the exact quote that I read on Sunday. I read from the social principles, but it it gets at the heart of it. It says, The United Methodist Church recognizes that the sin of racism has been destructive to its unity throughout history. Racism continues to cause painful division and marginalization. The United Methodist Church shall, 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 shall confront and seek to eliminate racism whether in organizations or in individuals, in every facet of its life and in society at large. Um, So we just remembered who we are as United Methodists, that white supremacy is not compatible with who we want to be, Mm -hmm. and, um, and that we all have work to do. The other thing that I said was, you know, I don't necessarily think that I'm any less broken than the guys carrying torches, tiki torches, and ask me my opinion about that sometime, uh, that they're carrying these Polynesian... Innovations to support white supremacy, but whatever, whatever, whatever. Don't, don't be a revisionist, there, friends. But um, <laughs> yeah. So, but we all have work to do. Like we all yes. have these broken edges, and if it's sort of like what you were talking about, with our fear can turn into bad action, right? Like, mm-hmm. like our broken edges. If we don't accept that hope in the midst of the storm, can cause harm to ourselves and others. Yep. And so, you know, we're all broken. We all have work to do. We're not here to pat ourselves on the back because we're not as racist as other people. Um, We're here to be able to root out this stuff in ourselves so that we can be healed and therefore we can be safe space. Right. And so, you know, that's why we talk about uncomfortable things. It's why we talk about racism. It's why I make people listen to me talk about what does it mean to be transgender? It's (laughs) why I make them talk about things that are a little uncomfortable sometimes. Because we need to be able to talk about it so that we can examine our own hearts. That's what the work of the gospel does, is it helps us examine our own hearts so that we can be who Jesus calls us to be. I think it's a mistake for us to think that the sin of racism is generational and will die out. The faces that I was seeing were young men. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a mistake for us to think that it's rural and poor. The faces that I were seeing were men carrying weaponry and wearing equipment that is actually quite expensive. These were middle-class educated people. I think it's a mistake for us to think that it's just a Southern problem, 
the guy who's getting the most attention right now is a 20 year old student at the university of Nevada, Reno. Mm. Um, so this is a homegrown problem Mm -hmm. and it's still growing. Yeah. And I think it would be a mistake for us to assume the civil rights movement happened and we're done. Yep. There is still a lot of stuff going on at the national level that seeks to marginalize black voices and Latino voices and the voices of all people of color. And I think it would be a mistake for us to assume this will just go away if we ignore it. The people at the Charlottesville rally were not wearing masks because they think that there is no risk. They have said the First Amendment means I can say whatever I want and nobody can punish me for that. And the truth is the First Amendment gives you the right to say whatever you want, but doesn't stop the natural consequences of other people saying, you're a jerk and we don't want to work with you. Mm -hmm. We can't just remain silent. One of the things that was horrifying to me was there's an image of um, people waving Nazi flags and having signs and they're in sort of a casual moment and they're laughing in the background. And in the foreground, there's a black cop guarding the barricade. So they have the right to tell him what scum he is, in their opinion. Right. And it was horrifying to me. And then I zoomed in on one of the signs and it was saying that Jews were the children of Satan. And quoting scripture to support their work, we have missed something big. Yeah. The church has not been doing its work. If people can take the gospel, which is supposed to bring life and liberation and healing and turn it into something that is a weapon. And so we're not here to pat ourselves on the back. We're here to do the work. We're all broken, but there is healing. Um, And that can be scary because it means admitting that we're wrong. It means admitting that there is something scarier than the scariest things we can think of, Mm -hmm. which is that somebody can change our hearts, that we might be moved, Mm -hmm. that we might be moved to action, and that Jesus might call us not to step out on nice, calm water, but to step out into the storm. And usually, usually, whether it's um, that that experience of being asked to step out is a storm. Yeah. And what that good news does is it pulls us out of our complacency and out of our cynicism that all of this is inevitable. Uh, it makes us see that it doesn't have to be this way. And it gives us some action to take. Now, I did say, now, there are signs of hope that are walking across the water through the storm to us right now. And we get to decide how to respond to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I talked about different signs of hope that the students that, that said, made the banner that said students act against white supremacy, UVA students act against white supremacy. And it was about a dozen 19, 20 year old kids standing in front of this sculpture surrounded by torches and they, with their bodies walked into the storm. Uh, it was a terrifying image for me as an eight. I wanted to protect them. (laughs) I wanted to stand between them. And these Nazis, and I and I couldn't do it. Uh, but those those kids were terrified and choosing to act. The fact that there was a church that was meeting literally to work on this stuff that was there to be surrounded by torches. Um, they were doing the work. Yep, they were doing the work. Um, the signs in businesses that started popping up all over Charlottesville that said, "If you don't believe in diversity and inclusion, we would rather not have you with us today." The, the clergy people and the church people who were marching and shouting the top of their love lungs, love has, love has, love has already won. Mm. And giving no quarter to people who say, this is still an active battle. No, you have lost. Hatred yeah, has lost. And we will not let you have a voice here. 
There are far more people working for justice and equality and diversity than opposing them. And so our job is not to let hopelessness trend in our heads. Like it trends on the internet. Yeah, no chirons through your brain telling you how useless all of this is. There is something even bigger and even scarier than the scariest thing you can think of. (laughs) And it's God. And God is love. And God calls you to do the work. Right. Um, I quoted Nelson Mandela, who said, No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, then they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. That might be our work. Yep. Our work might be saying, okay, this is absolutely unacceptable, but we can show you how it can be better. It's going to take some risk for you. It's going to yeah, take some risk The world's going to look a little us. different than you think it than you think it should, but it's that's what we're called to do. And then we we renewed our baptismal vows. Nice. And our baptismal vows in the United Methodist Church are these three questions: Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? And your response should be, I do. I do. <laughs> and then you say, Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil? injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And the proper answer again is, I do. And then do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, Mm -hmm. and races? And once again, the correct answer is, I I do. do. Um, And I told my congregation, me too. (laughs) This is work that we do together. And sometimes it's real easy to see where evil and oppression are living. And sometimes it's a lot harder. But we're called to both of those things. Um, And one of the things that we get to do this week that I'm really excited about, and one of the phone calls I have to make when we finish recording this podcast, is we get to hang out with the Reverend Larry Holloway and Bethel AME Church. They are celebrating their 110th anniversary. anniversary. Uh, the African Methodist Episcopal Church in town. They're having a revival all week, and we're going to be there on Saturday. And uh, our choir's going to sing, and I'm going to preach, and it's going to be fun to hang out with them and to celebrate their presence with us in ministry and in Reno, and we're excited about that. Yeah. It's a real easy way to just... We'll see if Chris can get some amens. Yeah. I'll be counting. (laughs) It's a a real easy way to to show up, to think global and act local, is to say, like, we need to value voices from people of color in our own communities. And so that's going to be something that's important. So anyway, so that's that's sort of what we talked about on Sunday. I'm sure there were a few detours, but Uh, that was the gist of it. There's always a detour or two. So I want to say thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing today, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or anywhere else. uh, You know, our our own website, sundaymorningsleepin.com. The scripture for this podcast is uh, Matthew 14, 22 to 33. And the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. Rosalind Brown says, Our world is full of injustice and unrighteousness. So something has to give wherever God enters the world. And it is not going to be God. (laughs) God will continue to work through whoever shows up. 
And it's my hope that we show up, that we're willing to step out into the storm. And if we fail, like Peter fails, if we falter, Jesus will lift us back up again and push us back into the boat and say, okay, we're going to try again. Yep. It's hard to take the risk to try something that you haven't tried before because you're afraid that somebody will tell you and somebody probably will tell you that's not helpful right now. Mm -hmm. We have to be unafraid to hear that. Yes. We have to be unafraid to look at our own biases and our own preconceptions and our own understanding of what the right way to do things is. We have to be willing to learn and show up and help out. And I think we can. I think we can too. Because there is something more powerful than the storm. Amen. So as you go about your week this week, I hope that you would find ways big and small whether it's as uncertain as just telling a coworker you didn't think that joke was very funny, mm-hmm. to maybe talking to a family member about not being such a jerk. There are ways that we can assert what we believe is true about the value of all people. And I encourage you to do that and to go in peace. Mm-hmm. Amen.